welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. my friends here we are again in another episode of solo bg podcast it's been so long i know i promised you on the last one that i was going to try to do this on a weekly basis or in a every two weeks basis uh but things came out on life on my personal uh life all good so don't worry about it and thank you if you're you were wondering uh but we're back we're back to play some games uh, i will catch you in the in the meantime you know Eventually, I guess. But um, yeah, we're here to talk about some games. We have four games that we're going to talk on this episode, actually. Uh, three of them, we uh, I got them for review purposes, so that's the disclosure right now on the episode. And one of them, it's actually one that it's currently live on Kickstarter that I will mention again a little bit. And it's probably going to be the first one that we're going to talk about. Um, so anyway... Yeah, I will tell you all about it because it's right now currently on Kickstarter and it's a big, big, big game, a big box of game. Uh, before we keep going as is tradition, first, I want to say hi to the main countries and the main cities where they listened to the previous episode, which was episode 117. Uh, on that episode, uh, if you want to go and listen after this one, we talk about uh, the upcoming solo mode for Oceans, the board game, which I believe is still, it's already on, on the crowdfunding campaign, or if not, it's going to be soon. Uh, we are recording today. Uh, I always like to give you the date in that which almost it almost feels like a live situation. We are recording on Saturday, November the fifth. Uh, hopefully, this episode will be live today. Um, and we also talked about the thing uh, from Pentagon Game Studios and Planet Unknown from Adam Apple's Games and Intrepid, which is uh, made by I always forgot the name of the publishers. I will tell I will tell you in a little bit once the episode goes. But <laughs> yeah, we talk about Intrepid, uh, Planet Unknown, uh, the thing, uh, the board game, and we also talk about the upcoming Kickstarter for the solo mode for Oceans, the board game. I want to say hi to the main cities and, and countries uh, that, once again, the top on the list that you were so kind and listened to the previous episode. United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, Spain, Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, Greece, and Mexico, of course. Uh, to the cities, uh, Red, uh, Red Deer, Alberta, Ottawa, Illinois, Dayton, Ohio, Perth, Western Australia, Frankfurt, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, Brighton, uh, Munich, uh, Brisbane, Queensland, and Jamaica Plain in Massachusetts. That, those were the top cities from 203 cities, actually, that listened to the previous episodes. And the countries were a total of 23. So, wow, I'm so humble and so appreciated that, you know, my voice and this podcast reach to many places <laughs> and uh, and we get to talk about games. Remember that this podcast is part of the Dice Tower Network, so check out also the other podcasts from the Dice Tower because they are fantastic. They're great, all of them. Um, also, just a quick reminder, you can follow us in our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm back on social media. I was on pause for a few weeks, but now I'm back and I'm constantly, you know, I'm going to be posting probably by you where you're listening this episode. You can see the pictures of the games that I've been, I'm going to be talking about. Uh, last night, I was playing V-Sabotage, which is the, I guess, the new name of the new crowdfunding campaign that it was based 
uh, through uh, V Commandos. That was the previous edition of this game. Um, the only difference is that this game now uh, comes with miniatures and with other expansions. It's fantastic. It's probably one of my favorite uh, tactical World War games. Uh, you know, it's made by Trito Noir and of course it has the seal of excellence from the Dice Tower Network. So anyway, um, so yeah, V Sabotage, highly recommended. Hopefully in a future I will talk about that game as well. As another tradition of the episode, since this is episode 118, I like to go back and talk about what do we talk on episode 18 in this case, which is 100 episodes ago. Back then, I will tell you right now, it was on February 14, Valentine's Day of 2019. And we talked, or I talked, about Batman, the animated series Gotham City Under Siege by IDW. I still have that game on my collection. And actually, it's a game that I really, really like. Uh, of course, it's Batman. You may guess it's a big bias for me. <laughs> but, um, you know... It has one of the cool, I don't know, I think it's a tower defense mechanic because it's very original how they, they included the IDW publisher or the IDW games publishers, which it doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Uh, I really like how they um, gave you some uh, buildings, uh, car I mean, kind of like a paper made or a little bit of very thin cardboard made. Uh, and you have those buildings that you place and that's your main Gotham City and it gives you that three-dimensional view on the table which looks pretty good and then you have the main heroes which is of course Batman of course uh, Robin and then you have um, uh, Batgirl you also had Catwoman which it could be um, you know it could be also a hero most of the time or sometimes depending on the comics that you're reading or the movies that you're watching or the shows that you're watching um, and you have Commissioner Gordon as well and the GCPD. So anyway, you have all the main rogue of villains uh, bringing their henchmen and their uh, baddies towards different, um, you know, areas of the city, north, south, east, and west. And with your heroes, you're trying to go to each area and try to fight them and destroy them, make sure that at the end of the round, there's no uh, villains or henchmen remaining there. Uh, and then you can go on the top of the buildings, and if you you have Batman, you can throw the Batarangs or Batgirl as well. Robin has another ability. Commissioner Gordon is very good as, you know, uh, kind of like a close um, combat because, of course, he won't go in the building, but on top of the rooftops, I'm sorry. Um, but he will go to the areas and do 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 his job. So anyway, uh, it's a great game. I, I mean, it's been probably like at least six, seven months since I have brought that game to the table. But it's still in my collection. It's still one that, you know, if I want to play a Batman game, that it will be on the main options. Of course, now we have, uh, you know, by IDW as well, um, the, anim the animated series Shadow of the Bat, which it was a big Kickstarter also. Similar to the Ninja Turtles, uh, The Changing's Constant and Cityfall, which I also own all those two all-in pledges, um, designed by Kevin Wilson. And, and yeah, I mean, those are great games as well. Those are more like following the comics and TV shows and things like that, uh, which eventually I will mention it as well once we go back and talk about that episode, 100 episodes after. after. Uh, but um, right now, just to know that Batman the Animated Series, uh, Gotham City Under Siege by IDW, is still my collection, it's still one of my beloved games there. And I actually, recently, I remodeled my game room. And I don't know if you have done this in the past, in, uh, regardless of how many games you have, but it's <laughs> it could be a little bit 
a little bit a piece of work, a little bit hectic at some point. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't know how many games do I have right now. And I believe in one of the previous episodes, I gave you a walkthrough, audio walkthrough to my game room. But it was a whole, as I'm standing literally here in my game room and watching it, it was a whole um, hard work <laughs> to take all the boxes out of the Calyx you know, arrange them in the floor or wherever you were able. In this case, I was in the floor in my gaming table. Then move those calyxes to the other wall in that way I can have a more efficient space. Uh, and then I'm, I'm put them back into the play that puzzle game or that Tetris game of trying to accommodate the big boxes, the small boxes. In that way, you can have as most as most of your collection on display. Um, and you know what? The results were pretty positive for me because now I feel like I can buy. Uh, uh, actually, three more calyxes, uh, two of uh, four um, uh, cubes or four spaces, two of them, and then one of two singles, which it will be on one of the sides. Uh, and then on top of the calyxes, I can play. I can also play big boxes games. And you know, I'm, I'm happy because now I have a little bit more space for games that are actually coming through today. I received the Everdell, the complete collection. Oh man, that's a big, big box, and it's gonna be a piece of work to organize everything and put all the stickers for the meeples and everything. But I cannot wait because last time I played Everdell was in 2020, I believe, which was when this uh, uh, campaign started. And I sold what I had for Everdell back then. It was like the main deluxe edition with uh, two boxes, two of the expansions. And I sold them just because I was backing this uh, Everdell, the complete collection. And since then, I've been craving to play Everdell. Uh, probably because I didn't own it anymore. Who knows? But um, uh, I'm, I'm eager to play. So as soon as I have it all arranged and everything, for sure I'm going to put some pictures in social media and and the game will be there. But enough with my <laughs> with my intro in my life. Is there anything else we have to talk before we start with the episode? Actually, yes. Yes, because I've been like crazy on Kickstarter as well. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of interesting projects that I've been following um, that I've been backing that I think you should listen to. And, you know, maybe you might be interested. Um, well, uh, right now I'm on the, on the episode, the most recent ones, uh, Forsaken by Game Trades Game. is basically like a Western Legends, but in the space. Very interesting, the game I backed it. Um, the Fox Experiment from by Pandasaurus Games uh, by Elizabeth Hargrave, same designer as Wingspan Mariposas. I'm looking forward to it. Tossie Most, uh, I don't remember, to see. I don't remember the name of the game, but you know which one I'm talking about. Um, so the Fox Experiment, Lana Rush, by our good friends uh, from Dead Alive Games, uh, Bernie. Uh, you remember him from Gencon and the episode from Gencon and Omicron Protocol. Yep, uh, he's not the designer on this one, but it's it's published by his company. So Lana Rush, it's another one to keep on the radar. I already backed it. We are sinking social deduction game. Um, seems pretty fun, and you know you wanna. Be, you want you're a pirate and, and and you know the kraken is there and it's all crazy crazy stuff. I mean uh, I've been enjoying social deductions games recently actually. Now that I'm sometimes playing with a bigger group, they're so fun. Uh, Chicken. Uh, I'm honestly just back in this small dice game, just because it's made by Key Masters Games. Uh, campy creatures, parks. I love their components. I love their productions. Um, you know a few designs from Henry Audubon, which I will tell you in a little bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm back in chicken. Check it out. Small game. Die of the Dead solo expansion or the solo expansion and Ofrenda variant. Of course, this dice game, it's based, of course, the theme is the Dia de los Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead for us in Mexico and maybe some places in Latin America as well. 
Uh, but it's a big celebration in Mexico, the Dia de los Muertos. And um, it's like for it's like comparing like uh, in a more a little bit more uh, different <laughs> celebration and more religious way uh, compared to Halloween, for example. But uh, uh, Dia de los Muertos is for us the big thing. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm excited to try this game. Uh, by the name of the designer, I will guess he's not Mexican. But I'm eager to try it. I want to try it. I want to play it and see, you know, how well the theme is implemented. I know on the pictures it looks pretty nice with some coffins that you roll some dice there and, and then you go into... Um, you know, different routes on the game to get points. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for that one. Canvas, Finishing Touches. That's the last expansion for Canvas. I already own the, the the base game with the, with the first expansion, so why not? We need to have the whole thing. Old Sworn into the Deepwood second edition. Of course, big miniatures, gigantic miniatures. Uh, but it has very good reviews. Uh, some of the playthroughs that I've been watching, it seems like a pretty fun game with a pretty interesting, you know, innovative uh, mechanic, uh, combat mechanic. So I know that you can choose between dice rolling or, or basically playing with cards and kind of like a push your luck. So um, I want to, I want to see on that one. I went just with a $1 pledge manager just to see how it goes. Uh, but that's another one. Uh, Cos, uh, Cosmoctopus, the board game that's by Henry Audubon talking about key, key masters game. Henry Audubon is a designer of parks. Uh, also from, um, there's another game from Kickstarter games that I really like. Uh, the it's in the space park, uh, park something. It's in the space basically, but that's another one. I'm trying to find it here in my gaming library, and that way I can tell you, uh, space park. There it is. I found it. <laughs> space park by Henry Ottoman. I love his designs. Very easy, you know. Very family. The games. He also uh, did Kingswood actually, which is another very easy worker placement kind of game. That's nice. Highly recommend it. So I'm back in this one for him just to see Tesseract. That's from Smirk and Lawfer Games, the same people that made um, The Night Cage, uh, you know, The Spiel, um, uh, Kurt Covered. I recently talked to him on GenCon, probably. You remember from the GenCon episode as well. So Tesseract, uh, dice management game. It's a cooperative game. You get the option to pledge the dice metal games. And it's only for like 80 bucks or something more. I mean, it's it, the, to the whole pledge is very cheap. I don't remember the exact amount, but comparing to what actually will cause you to get metal dice. And let me tell you, when I played that game on Gen Con and I felt those dice, I was like, man, this is fantastic. So anyway, I'm, I'm going the race to the raft, the same people that made, that made Isle of Cats. City of Kings, I think, is the Polishers because City of the Kings is another game from them. Uh, race to the raft, which includes the miniatures for... Isle Cats, and it has a different game now where you're trying to escape with those cats on the same, I guess, um, universe for, from the Isle of Cats. So, so that's good. Of course, of course, my friends, you were wondering. Cthulhu, Dead May Die, Fear of the Unknown. That campaign is going crazy. If you get Season 3, uh, you get a bunch of stretch goals right now. Then you can get the Unspeakable Box, which I don't own. I only own Season 1, Season 2, so I'm eager to get the Unspeakable Box. You can get Baby Cthulhu, which is the big Cthulhu. Um, it's 180, I believe, but now it comes pre-painted, which is the cool thing. If you have war, if you have a place to expose and show your baby Cthulhu, well, why not <laughs> get it from there? Uh, and they also are releasing a Season 4, as well as an expansion, and a bunch of Kickstarter exclusives. And I know Simon or Kumini or not, they always do that, and in a way, I don't like it. But Cthulhu Dead May Die, I mean, it's not like a zombie side game. Cthulhu Dead May Die is actually one of my favorite games. So, 
I'm sorry, friends. I mean, I have to back it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have any other option. Uh, and the last one that I want to talk about that I also, it's on my Kickstarter list, In the Heart of Darkness, In the Heart of Darkness by Moon Grill. Um, basically a cooperative game, very simple, $44 is the pledge, but it gives me that vibes that it will be one of those games that it kind of like, oh, I want to play something like Arkham Horror, probably um, not as big of, of, of a complexity like Arkham Horror or Hellwitch Horror, uh, some something more simple and more straightforward, probably more fast. So that's the vibe that this game gave, gives me. So I'm, I'm, it's on my Kickstarter list. And that's it. And we're done with the Kickstarter. We're 15 minutes now into the episode. At least, you know, avoiding the, the intro, the music, and the presentation by Eric Summer. But anyway, let's talk about games, if you don't mind. So let's go. Let's go right now into the main the main part of the, of the episode, which is talk about board games. And you may be wondering, talk about board games. What do you mean? We were talking about a bunch of board games. Yeah, now we're going to talk about the games that we're going to take over and we're going to review. The first one is not a review per se because this is a prototype version and you will see a picture also on our social media. But I want to talk to you about this game that is currently on Kickstarter. Um, I'm sure if in case you, when you're listening to this one, with this episode, it, the Kickstarter campaign already ended, well, just know that more than likely the pledge manager will be around soon or it's already uh the late pledge i'm sorry it's already live so you might want to jump into if this sounds uh interesting to you and the game that i want to talk to you about it's pampero pampero it's a game uh designed by julian julian pombo and the artist is ian o'toole ian o'toole he always does a fantastic 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 job when it comes to art on the games, I mean, I cannot stop talking. Oh, most of the Eagle Griffon games, especially the Vita La Cerda, have Ian O'Toole uh, on Mars, a beautiful Ian O'Toole art. Um, you know, you're talking about this Pampero. The prototype even looks beautiful. Weather Machine, beautiful art. So I feel like, you know, and this is weird. If you will ask me, like, Derek, you know, you want to own a collection from some designers, right? Like my favorites, Adam Kwapinski, from, of course, from Nemesis. Um, I don't know, Martin Wallace. You know, you want to own most of those designer games because you, you, you get to marry it in a way with, with some designers. But I have never thought and stuff about, well, what about an artist, you know, a designer, a graphic designer, or an, or an artist, whoever does the art on the games. Ian O'Toole is definitely one that if I have to try to go in that route in getting a section of my gaming library just based on the art, definitely, definitely Ian O'Toole will be on, on, on the top, you know, to make my choice. Uh, what's going on with Pampero? Well, uh, of course, uh, from the description from the designer, uh, Pampero is a hand-management, card-driven action selection game. Every player has a starting set of eight cards to be played on their own tableau, which contains two rows of, of spaces to activate actions on the different sectors of the board. Each turn, you have the option to play a card to the leftmost empty space of either row or to retrieve all cards from your tableau. After three actions, a special phase takes place, consolidation, during which you retrieve the rightmost card from any row, generate batteries from stored energy, collect income, and advance the game timer. 
The player with the most money at the end of the game wins. This is a description from the designer, my friends. So on Pampero, we're trying to build some sort of like windmills, you know, and, and we're trying to also build some energy towers and things like that in order to get the most money. We're companies after all. And this is all based on the Uruguay region because the board is going to be uh, divided in some in some regions actually i think this is very interesting from the this is from the bgg as well uh with non-natural resources the government of uruguay is concerned about the country's dependence on imported fossil fuels as a consequence it is seeking to increase the share of domestic resources of which the most feasible are biomass and wind energy as well as employing end-use energy efficiency measures to increase its energy security. In addition, the government aims to use the intended growth of the domestic energy sector to foster its other objectives of increasing economic economic growth and creating employment. This is an extract from the World Bank documents uh, from a case study 11 Uruguay Wind Energy Program. So Anyway, I think it was very interesting. I found this on Kickstarter. You can you can look at it as well if you look at the game. I think it was very interesting uh, that they go even further, you know, about the folklore in the game and, and tell you more about what's going on and what you're trying to achieve. And that's also that's always nice on on the lore of, on the lore of the game. Uh, let me give you the, the specifics of Pampero. It has an eight point two right now. Now keep in mind this is BGG, and keep in mind as well. That is just a few people that have actually you know played the prototype version of the game. It's gonna be released in 2023. Uh, it's on the hardness, which I think that will be something important right now. It's on the on the place thirty nine. Uh, it's one to four players. Uh, it it has an estimation time of sixty to one hundred and fifty minutes per uh, per session. A medium heavy game uh, recommended for fourteen euro plus. Definitely language dependency. Um, and you know it has a and the classification. Of course, it will be. Um, have different mechanisms. What are we going to be doing? Uh, well, we're going to be one to four players, of course, of course like I mentioned. And, and we're going to be taking the role of, of those uh, power uh, companies seeking to earn the most money by improving power distribution in Uruguay. Um, by the way, the publisher of this game is Ape Game Studios, or APE, which is A-P-E Games, uh, which is are the ones that are crowdfunding uh, the Bampero. Um, the, like I mentioned before, the board will show uh, uh, Uruguay divided into six sectors, which are classified into zones. Uh, they're going to be rural, they're going to be industrial and resort and uh, urban sectors as well. And each sector has different construction sites for players to build either wind farms or electrical tower. And there are uh, construction sites, um, you know, some construction sites for suitable for, for either um, there are also several spaces allocated for a variety of contracts which players will need to fulfill, uh, you know, during the game in order to increase your income, which at the end, those are going to be victory uh, victory points. Each player will have their own large uh, power grid and income board. And, you know, it will have also a board with some actions that you can choose. And, of course, a set of eight cards that this is going to be basically your action cards that you can use in your turn. Uh, because, like I mentioned before, you can place a card or pick them up pick them up all. And when you place a card, you can put it either on the bottom on the bottom of that uh, board or above on the upper part of that board to do different actions. And you have to pay the cost. Um, but it, it, it always has to be the leftmost one. Okay, now keep in mind, before I keep talking... That this is not a tutorial, of course. This is more like just to give you an idea and talk to you about the idea of Pampero. Uh, you know, the game is going to be a player 
uh, play it over our different rounds. Uh, you know, you're going to be doing the action phase first and then the consolidation phase, which is what we talk about in the intro. Um, depending on where you are on the time track, uh, there might be sometimes when you're going to be scoring points at the end of the of the income phase. OK, there's going to be three scoring phases, which they're going to be triggered during the game. And the game ends after the third and final scoring phase. And whoever has the most money will, will win the game. During the action phase, each player performs three action. And they're going to be uh, performing turn order. Okay? And you have the different options that you can that you can do. You can either play an action from your hand. Uh, you can retrieve all your cards. Or uh, pass and, and take a battery, which it will be some sort of our resources as well. In most actions, you will have to, you will like to uh, play an action card because why not? You will get better rewards. Uh, you will start the game, like I mentioned, with a, a hand of eight cards, and you're going to be deciding which cards you're going to be placing uh, in order to build uh, windmill farms or electrical towers or fulfilling different types of contracts that will gonna, they're going to ask you for some requirements. When playing a card, like I mentioned, you play it to the leftmost space, either top or bottom, and then you do the action and you pay the cost, depending on the action that, that you are that you're placing. Now, it's interesting that, once again, remember, I told you, the board is going to be divided in different zones. So where you, where you play your card, that also is going to determine a zone where you're going to be doing that action. So it's not like, okay, I want to do this action, but I want to do it there. No, it's restricted to where uh, you're placing that card. That's why the importance of playing from left to right and when to play those different actions. So that can also be a little bit of a strategy or a lot of a strategy while, while, while thinking about your turn and as well to make sure that the other players, you know, didn't went to that those spots as well um, on the board. And, and yeah, like I mentioned, um, you, you will be doing that. In addition uh, to wind farms, you can also build, if you like, electrical towers. Um, there will be multiple actions that allow you to fulfill the contracts uh, since there are a lot, a lot, a lot of contract types that you can that you can basically achieve or fulfill uh, with their demands. Um, there are, there are going to be different types. Uh, one could be the remote, one could be the standard, foreign and solar contracts. Uh, to fulfill those, to fulfill these ones, you have to be on the zone, uh, and and this and you you must choose to have either a sector uh, with both an electrical power, an electrical tower, and available contract in the matching contract type on the action card. And of course, your power grid must be sufficient sufficiently developed. Um, this will mean that you have built uh, you know enough to fulfill. That contract, and once again, depending on the type, it could be a residence, a factory, a resort, a commerce, uh, or a solar contract. And then uh, all players, we we all gonna start with a with a tower build, with a build a tower build, uh, and uh, and one residence, and one remote and solar uh, residence as well. But then we will have to build more electrical towers to unlock the others so we can fulfill different types of contracts to increase the income, which, once again, this will be the main source of income in order to win the game. At the end of the game, of course, whoever has the most income will be the winner. Uh, and, yeah, and that's basically the whole the whole idea of the game. I mean, it's hard because, once again, it's a very, very strategic uh, medium level euro game but yeah basically you're going to be taking actions you want you're going to be strategizing which action play 
based on that personal board, top, bottom, starting from the left side. In that way, you can go to different zones, trying to fulfill contracts to get those incomes as well, trying to get their resources, you know, to build the towers, to build the windmill. So it, there's a lot of strategy going on there. Now, there's a solo mode, which um, basically you're going to be uh, sort of like competing against an opponent, and your opponent will be VJ. VJ is your opponent that you will be trying to to defeat during the solitary mode and vj does not is not going to play cards to take actions they will be following an action selection system so depending on what you're doing they're going to be doing some other stuff um and of course you will be uh vj will have an action deck uh you know basically matching the majority of objectives and then depending on what you're doing they will have a diagram as well what to decide uh, VJ, uh, he's going to generate batteries and income as just as another player. And they will, he will do, or he or she will do different actions as well, depending on the options that he or she has. And at the end of the game, of course, uh, if you have, uh, more money than VJ, well, you, you will be the winner. And if not, well, VJ will take control of that sector with his company of Uruguay. Um, like I said, there's a lot on the game. The art, first of all, is fantastic. And keep in mind, this is the prototype version. The art by Ian O'Toole is great. It's just great. I mean, I cannot wait to see the final production of this game. Pampero is definitely not for everyone. I don't think I don't think it's for everyone. Because I've, when, when I think about Euro games, I think about... And this is a weird way to say it. But I think about normal Euros, right? Normal Euro games that... You know, that basically you have a worker worker placement, you have resource management, but they don't involve too much difficulty. I don't know. I, I can, I can, it, it comes to mind. Uh, let's talk, for example, Raiders of the North Sea, right? I mean, you, you, you place a worker, you do something, you pick up the worker, which placing or picking the worker, you, you get something, right? Then you go into area control games. I don't know, I'm going to mention, for example, uh, Blood Rage, right? You're trying to do certain things. It's still in a Euro mechanic. You have a wingspan as well, some sort of Euro mechanics. Kind of like a normal-ish. But then you have these complex Euro games. You start, to take, you start to take step forward, right? You have like those series of T games. For example, Teotihuacan, uh, of course, by Daniel Tassini, Simon Luciani. You have Terracotta Army by Adam Kapinski. Um, you know, you have Origins as well. So you're trying to increase the difficulty. And then... Somewhere around there, you have the Ego Griffon games by Vita Lacerda. This is definitely gives you this feeling. Julian Pampero definitely, uh, Julian Pomba, I'm sorry, definitely um, achieved that level of complexity that some of the games or most of the games from Vita Lacerda will give you. Um, it has a lot of thinking. First of all, on your board, right? With that, those eight. Those eight uh, uh, cards that you have on your hand that you begin the game with I mean just there the decisions that you're going to be making as far as placing in a top or bottom to go to different zones on the board just there it's a whole game and a whole concept of trying to make sure that you make the right decisions because then most likely and it happens to me most likely once you play some cards and you're advancing on your board you're like, oh man, now I'm in this zone, but I wish I could have played this action, which now I didn't have because I played it before. Or, of course, you can tell, well, now I pick up my cards. Yes, but now if you want to go further on that board from left to right, 
Well, you have you're gonna have to work work your way through it, right? Playing actions until you build on the way to the end. Um, it gives me. I know it's very different, but it gives me the same feeling as to when I played Solkin. Uh, you know, with the gear that okay, you want to take this action. The gear is gonna keep advancing, but you wanna have, you wanna make sure that you have enough to get that far. Well, the same thing here even if they're completely different and 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 it's a different mechanic different everything it's just the vibe that it gave me right kind of like oh man when do i pull the trigger when do i pick up my cards i can i mean i might i can go most of the game also just playing like one two actions pick it up one two actions pick it up it's gonna be very hard because you're gonna be very limited to certain contracts but that's one of the decisions then on the board you have the different zones as well where you have to think very carefully where you're gonna build your towers, your windmills, right? The contracts, they also play just just trying to fulfill the requirements of the contracts. You know, it's another big piece of chunk on the game. Um, and, and the solo mode, the solo mode works very smoothly. And once again, I encounter some stuff on the solo mode. So I'm like, okay, what if this, what if that? Because it has those solo modes that has like type of kind of like a diagram way of of making the decisions for the for VJ in this case more 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 than anything everything was pretty straightforward I guess I would say but I can definitely see they're you know polishing some rules on the solo mode just to make sure that everything works 100% fine uh, it was fun though I I didn't feel like I was playing a beat your own score game by any means I felt like I was playing versus an opponent and that is something that I really appreciate in games when it gives me that feeling of okay I'm not beating my own score because then it, it, it comes a little bit at least to me a little bit boring I want to have I want to I want the solo mode to simulate that if I was playing with someone and that that someone is playing very smart and definitely, Pampero and, and VJ, <laughs> the Automa player, give me uh, accomplish that. It gives me that sensation of, mm, like, yeah, I'm playing with someone in my gaming table. Um, the game overall, I think it works great. I think I I don't think I will play this game with more than three people. If that helps you with something decision, I guess, um, just because. First of all, you have to find the right <laughs> type of people that you're going to play this game with, people that love Euros. If you're not someone that loves Euros, then this might, this might not be a game for you. But if you love Euros and you're always up to the challenge and, you're not, and you like Lacerda games, then definitely, definitely. Like I said, Julian Pombo did a great job here and the people from Ape Games as well. Um, it's definitely a good, a medium, heavy um, Euro game. The theme is original. I like it. I mean, I'm glad that they went with this theme. I actually appreciate uh, the designer going above and beyond, and in this case, like in BGG, like I told you, um, giving you that real-life lore, I guess, or situation regarding regarding the theme of the game. The game is very thematic, and the theme is there. The game, the theme uh, is definitely attached to the game, and that's, that's a perfect connection that we're always looking on games. Uh, things that I... Um, I probably didn't, or I, not that I didn't like, but I will be worrying about on my future sessions on the game. It's the AP, the analysis paralysis, just because this might be one of those games that, uh, I mean, the other player is going to take some time to decide, depending on the type of player that you are. But this might take some time as it could be, this game uh, could tend to be long sessions. This game 
will be the game of the night, right? Like when you're having game night or you're hosting game nights, you probably will bring some fillers at the beginning, but the big the big chunk of steak will be will be um will be this game. Um so yeah, there you have it. Uh the once again I'm gonna mention it again the art and the components being a prototype game. Uh, they are fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of videos out there right now where you can see playthroughs. Uh, on BGG, there's actually an article, a review that is very, 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 very good, very well written, and it has a bunch of pictures. Uh, I believe the person that read that, that write that article, I don't know if he or she was at Essen. Uh, I think it was an Essen or PAX or GenCon, one of those. Uh, and Julian showed the game, and it's basically a review from there. Um, and, and yeah, I mean the the game the 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 game it's it's good it's it's a good game definitely. Um, and I'm eager and looking forward to the final production definitely. Is this gonna be a game that I will add uh, to my library? Most likely, most likely because um, I really enjoy the solo mode and a two player game of this it's very 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 smooth because. Even if there's some AP, you don't have to weigh that much, if that makes sense. So my playthroughs were mostly two players, and it worked fantastic. And when I tried it solo mode, also works very, very, very well. So hope you check it out. If you listen this on time, still on the campaign, check it out. If not, right now, when you're listening, hopefully there's a late pledge. If no, I'm sure that this game will hit uh, to retail as well. So this is a game that you want to keep... On your radar, once again, this was Pampero from Ape Games. Let's move into the other game right now, which is another, once again, another review game that I was sent completely free. And I was a little bit, I mean, yeah, whatever, if I tried or not. But I got a big surprise. I'm not going to tell you right now if it's good or bad, but I got a big surprise. So let's talk about the game. Caesar's Empire is the game Caesar's Empire and it's designed by Matthew Podevin and the art is by Alexandre Bonvalot and Joel Drans. I hope I pronounced correctly. And this is published by Holy Grail Games based on the Asterix universe. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the Asterix universe in a little bit once we start to put all the pieces together. Let's go to BGG. It has a 7.2 over there. It was released in 2022. Rank overall is 5,261. 2 to 5 players, 30 to 60 minutes. The complexity is very light, 1.3 out of 5. For age 10 year plus, no language dependence. Um, and, you know, pretty, pretty simple game. What is going on? Caesar's Empire is a 2-5 to five players game about building roads for the glory of Rome. Caesar's Empire is said in the world of the beloved comic series Asterix. However, and this was one of my comments, instead of playing as one of the indomitable goals, this time around you'll be siding with the great Julius Caesar. As a member of his entourage, you've been tasked with expanding the limits of his empire. The one who brings the most glory to Rome... Remember this, all roads lead to Rome. Remember this again, all roads lead to Rome. <laughs> the one who brings the most glory to Rome will be there richly rewarded. In Caesar's empire, you will be building roads to connect Rome to a new cities across the board. Each time you build a road, you will score points. Every new city you reach will, uh, will uh, provide uh, city and treasure tokens and will be worth points at the end of the game. The game ends when Rome is connected to every city on the board. After adding the value of the city and treasure tokens to the points scoring during the game, 
The player with the most points wins. Caesar's Empire. Okay. Asterix Universe. In the art. That's it. Forget about everything else. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not a fan of the comics. I mean, I, I remember growing up seeing some of them. I even remember being a little kid. And this is interesting. Uh, uh, it's still in, in Mexico. Uh, I remember very early. It probably was Derek. was like, what? Like um, seven, six, seven years. My mom used to take me on Sundays to a magazine store. Where they will sell comics. And back then, it wasn't like, you know, I'm going to read this, uh, um, I don't know, the Batman 52 arch of, of comics. No, I mean, you would go and buy a random comic, and that was it. Probably was the marketing in Mexico. It was more like, you buy a comic, it's basically a story that um, starts and ends, and that's it. So, I remember picking up some of these comics, and, and you know, I mean, yes, I remember enjoying them. I even don't remember what was going on, but I remember enjoying them. I remember, and I could be wrong, but I believe there was a TV show or a cartoon um, for for Asterix uh, and Obelix, I think it was. Um, also, a brief memories. I mean, I, I don't I don't know anything about it, so I will be lying to you. But all I know is that it's not like you're going into an adventure or anything. No, I mean the art is there and that's it. And and it's cute. It's nice. It's, it's great. I'm gonna spoil you that. I like the art on the game. Um, but um, but yeah, I just wanted to, to to let you know. What are we going to be doing? Well, this is a networking connection game. That's it. You're going to get one of the characters, uh, you know, and, and a board, basically, which one of these characters that you're going to play once again. This is a game that you can play up to five players. And depending uh, if you're playing with three or more players, you're going to have one side of the board, which it will be Rome in the middle and all the city connected. Uh, then if if you want to play two players, well, I'm sorry, three or less players, you're going to have one side, four or five players the other side. Basically, it just like constrict the spaces a little bit more. Uh, then you're going to have Rome in the middle of the board and you're going to have a bunch of cities. At the beginning of the game, you're going to be... Um, you know, mixing different zones, different tiles that they will correspond to uh, color and number of each region of of, of of the empire, right? And you're going to be placing those city tokens on their different regions. And also on top of those city tokens, you're going to shuffle some uh, treasure tokens and you're going to place them, uh, you know, uh, face down on each city. Uh, on your turn, what you're going to do, you're going to start with a bunch of minis, a bunch, a bunch of minis that they are all in horses because, of course, that's the way that people uh, used to travel back then. They didn't have Teslas, they didn't have BMWs, they didn't have <laughs> Nissan, they didn't have cars. It was all horses. So anyway, uh, and on your turn, you're going to have your, your horses miniatures, and you're going to try, of course, to, um, you know, reach Rome. So on your turn, you're going to decide uh, to connect Rome with any other city, but you have to start on Rome, all right? So let's say you decide to go up north. You're going to play uh, two horses minis and you're going to connect to a city. You're going to grab that city tile and that treasure tile and that, that, I'm sorry, token. And the treasure token, you're going to place it on your board. On your personal board, you're going to have different um, sections where you're going to be placing uh, treasure tokens. Uh, it's going to be uh, different types of treasure tokens, actually. It's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different type of treasure tokens. So uh, that board is going to have uh, circular spots that they can go horizontal or vertical. And then at the bottom, you're also going to have a track where you're going to place gold. Gold are going to be mixed with those treasure tokens that you're going to be picking up when you reach a city. Uh, let's say you your treasure is a diamond, well, or a gem. You're going to place the gem on one column. The second gem that you get further in the, in the, in the game, 
you're going to place it on the same gem column, but now the one on the topmost space, and now probably is going to start to give you points towards the end of the game. The most that you can get on a column go going uh, from bottom to top, it's 20 points. And from left to right, uh, placing these treasure tokens by different ones, like let's say you're going you're gonna, to uh, eventually get a row of different types of treasures in, the, in your personal grid, well, the further you go on the road, the more points. For example, if you collect one, two, three, four, five different types of treasures, you're going to get 14 points at the end of the game. And remember, every time that you connect a city or you connect to a city, you're going to get the city tile, which I will explain you how to score, and treasure tokens as well. Um, if you get gold, well, you're going to place it on the gold um, track, and gold is going to trigger an interesting part on the game, which I will explain you in a little bit. So anyway, let's say I connect the first city. Now I'm going to get points immediately for the number of horses or miniatures that I have on that road to Rome. So in this case, since I'm the first player and I connected just one city to Rome and I have two horses, well, I get two points right away. Let's say in a future round, from that city that I connected, I'm going to connect to another city that it's three spaces away, right? So I'm going to place three horses. I'm going to get the new tile on the city. I'm going to get the new treasure token. I place it on my grid. But now immediately I'm going to score five points. Why? Because now from the one that I just connected, there's five miniatures on my way to Rome. Now let's pretend that I place three there on this new city, on a city that isn't Rome, but a city that is connected to Rome. I place my three uh, horses there. But the one that connected that city to Rome was the other player on my right. Well, now I'm going to get three points, but that player is going to score two points. Now, if the treasure that I retrieve from that city that I connected, it's a coin. That means that every miniature from that city connected all the way to Rome is going to score double. So that's the whole bonus of the coins. All right. Uh, you always want to take the shortest part or, or connect the shortest part or score the shortest part from the city that you just connected to, uh, to Rome. So remember when I told you all the roads leads to Rome. You have to be connecting to Rome, Rome every time. And that as soon as all the cities are connected to Rome, the game ends. Now, how are you going to score the cities at the end of the game? Remember, there's different areas on the map. So let's say I have all the tiles from the gray area. That means that only me visited from the gray area or from the north area all the cities. Well, that means that I will add all the values of the cities. The cities usually will have values of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I will add all those values, and at the end, that will be my, my scoring point. If we, you and I, let's say we have city tiles from the same region, then you and I, we're going to choose our highest value one, and those are going to be the points that we're going to get. In this case, differently to me, uh, you know, owning all that area and since it's you and i probably have the six you have the five so that means six points for me five points for you so that's how the the strategy also comes in play and that's it that's basically the whole game on caesar's empire once again this is a a game that it was uh, sent to me completely free by our friends of uh holy great games and um and yeah um you know that that's that that's the game what do i think about the game it's i know it sounds too simple but that's it I freaking loved it. I loved it. I played two players, three players, four players. Fantastic, fantastic. A big, big surprise, positive surprise of the year so far. It's a great game. Um, on, by the way, on Pampero, I didn't rank the game from 0 to 5 just because 
is the prototype version. And more than anything, I wanted to talk to you about the game that is currently on, on the crowdfunding campaign. On these games that I'm going to be talking about now, I'm going to rate them because they were final productions and everything was done and I played them multiple times. Um, Caesar's Empire played it, like I said, two players, three players, four players. I loved it. The components are fantastic. The tokens, very normal, standard quality. The miniatures are great. They come in different colors, which is fantastic. Uh, very detailed, very nice detail. The board is it's very nice, uh, colored, very simple to follow. Uh, on the personal boards, there's... I mean, you can basically explain the game as you're setting up the game. And that's something that I love. The rulebook is that it's a, basically you open... Uh, two pages, and that's the rule book. That's it. There's nothing more. Um, the game makes sense right away. You can play this game with uh, non-gamers, uh, heavy gamers, new gamers, uh, whatever you want, with your parents, whoever you want to play. This is a, a great um, getaway game, a great window game that you can invite someone over, a door game, like, hey, come on, I want to show you this hobby that is not uh, Monopoly. Yeah, this is or Jenga. This is a great game. This is a great game that I can take to a to a bar if I want. If I'm hanging out in a bar with two or three friends, I can take that game and play that game in the bar. I can play the game on Thanksgiving, you know, with people or family or friends. I can play that game during Christmas or whatever. I can play this game just in an evening with with my wife. I mean, or or friends like they want to play just a light game. This could be the opening game of a gaming session. We can play Caesar's Empire and then you know we go to someone else now. Here's the interesting about Caesar's Empire, though. Even if it's a light game, even if the decisions, they won't take too much time and everything will score right away, still has enough strategy that it will kind of like hook you into the game, right? Enough is really like, okay, well, now I feel like the right choice for me is to connect this city to this other one. The problem will be that if it's a coin, I'm going to score double, but it's only going to be, I don't know, certain amount of points for me but i'm going to give a lot of points to the player in red and that will player in red is the one that is winning so there's a lot of decisions like that but i love how easy the designers they made it and at the same time the strategy of placing the miniatures um has great presence on the table uh like i said the art is is fantastic uh and and, and like i said when i got this game for review purposes i was like uh, i mean i mean it looks cool but yeah whatever Wow, I mean, I'm very happy that I got it, and I'm very happy that I played it, and and you know, and 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 that I I played it multiple times because I, I cannot recommend enough this game. Um, bad things about the game, nothing. I don't see any flaw on the game. I don't. I really don't. Um, my only flaw will be if someone doesn't like network connecting games. But even that, it's a game that you can play a four-player game. You will play it in in forty minutes, at most forty-five minutes, like exaggerating. So I mean. Even if you don't like those type of games, I mean, it's only 40 minutes. It's not like we're going to talking about playing Mage Knight for three hours. I mean, no. I mean, this is that's it. It's quick. Uh, I mean, I recommend it definitely. For me, this game, uh, man, I'm very close to give it a 5 out of 5 just because how good it is. And I think I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to give this game 5 out of 5. I mean, it's great for the category. It's a great family game. It's an easy game. You know, it's it's you can get it to the table. I mean, it's definitely 5 out of 5 for me. I was debating between the 4.5, 4. but I don't see enough. I mean, I don't see enough to bring it down to 4.5. I mean, it's, it's just, it's it, it's very well done. And, and in a comp, it accomplished what it's looking for. And, and I don't see 
people playing and disliking this game. That's one thing. Like I'm trying to imagine from from the friends that I have. Like, um, okay, I mean, I'm gonna play with someone that I think it will dislike this game. No, I, I mean, I think it's pretty easy. And sometimes it's nice to play these easy games and have fun and and you know but still have some strategy. And 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 when the game finishes, like, okay, it was so fast and it was so good that now you're thinking, well, probably I didn't, I shouldn't make that decision. Um, so let's play it again. So it's a type of game. So that's why. That's it. I think this is a perfect for a Christmas gift. <laughs> this is a good one, Caesar's Empire. Now, if you have a friend that likes the Roman Empire and all that stuff, all the all the all the theme, well, uh, this is no brainer. I mean, they're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. You're gonna have a blast. You're gonna go to their house and it's like, oh yeah. Actually, this is the type of game that I will give as a gift to people that are non-gamers, friends that are non-gamers, and they way, hey, you know, I, 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 this is a gift, you know, for Christmas or whatever. And then I will teach, the, I will teach them the game, and then when I know when I go to their house. Now <laughs> we're gonna play Caesar's Empire where we're having a beer or something, you know? So yeah. Check it out. Check it out. I, though I guess the only negative, which is not a negative, this is just me being spoiling. I mean, and I don't see how that will work. Um if 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 you if you got a solo mode, but I mean, yeah, no, this is not a solo game. <laughs> so so anyway, that was Caesar's Empire. Uh you got it and 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 yeah. Let's talk about another game that I was given to for review purposes, uh on Jenkins actually. Uh, and I had a blast during an interview. You can check it out on the Gencon episode. Um, and I'm referring to uh, Tiny Epic Dungeons. Tiny Epic Dungeons. It's a game that it was released on 2021, of course, by Gambling Games from the Tiny Epic series. Um, one to four players, 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, medium complexity, 14-year-old plus. Uh, it has some language dependence, for sure. And I would say more than language dependence, symbol dependence, because, yeah, there's a lot of symbols and iconography on this game. Um, and uh, it's, it's on, uh, it was released in 2021, rank overall 1,120, uh, and it has a 7.7 by the rating of, of uh, BGG. Tiny Epic Dungeons is a fully cooperative dungeon crawler for one to four players set in the fantasy world of Ogmore. In Tiny Epic Dungeons, players control a band of heroes exploring a treacherous dungeon in search of, a f- of the fearsome dungeon boss. Heroes make their way through the dungeon one room at a time. Around every corner, goblins and ferocious minions seek to block the hero's path. Where there isn't an enemy, traps are set, ready to spring on even the most prepared heroes. Tiny Epic Dungeon features a modular dungeon that is unique with each play. The game is played over two acts, the dungeon and the dungeon boss. In both acts, the player are constantly struggling against the warning firelight of their torch, which decreases each turn. When the torch goes out, the heroes are forever lost in the darkness. After clearing the the dungeon of all its minions and finding the entrance to the lair, the players must engage in an epic battle against the boss. Each boss has unique abilities and a lair with a unique environment that gives various advantages and disadvantages depending on the skill used and where the hero attacks from. These epic monsters cannot be slain by mere swords, axes, arrows, and the occasional spell. Ritual rooms around the dungeon must be used to lower their magical bond to the dungeon. The dungeon boss must be lured to these rooms to lower their defense and allow the heroes to strike the final blow. Victory in tiny epic dungeons is achieved by defeating the dungeon boss. In order to do that, the heroes will need to collect the legendary loot and supreme spells. Heroes of all crafted loot to honor the ways of their clans. Bear, Lion, Phoenix, and Panther. 
Heroes can discover pieces from these ancient sets that grow more powerful the more you collect. Will you be the greatest warrior to Bear Clan has ever seen, or will you make the Panther Clan proud by stacking your prey and striking with surprising force unseen before the moment of impact? The story is yours to tell in tiny epic dungeons. Woof! That was a long description from the publisher. Pretty much keep my, <laughs> my whole review and my whole description of the game. Uh, tiny Epic Dungeons. Uh, like once again, big disclosure. I got this on on Gen Con. Um, I was for for review purposes, um, and it came with the neoprene mat and the big mat for the center of the table, the new the neoprene mat for the uh, the the basically the player board, uh, the deluxe edition, and with the stories expansion. I haven't played the stories expansion. I opened it, however, and I saw what was inside, and I will tell you you know my thoughts. But basically. On Tiny Epic Dungeons, if you want to play solo, which was the main the main uh, way that I play this game, and the with the re, the approach review for this will be that you will select two heroes. In this case, um, I selected the the wizard and the guy, the basically almost like the barbarian type of guy, right? The paladin, in a way. Anyway. So you have your heroes. That's you know if if every, every hero will have different slots uh, for the two hands and certain items that can, they can carry in some spells. The heroes will also have attributes and they will have different skills and abilities. There's a lot of iconography on this game, like a bunch. But anyway, um, you're gonna start the game. You're gonna have the main entrance, and then every time that you have a, a basically a tile, which will be your entrance, you will place face down different uh, dungeon rooms. You know, surrounding that area uh, on an orthogonal way, never diagonal. And on your turn, most likely you're going to spend your turn moving and exploring. When you move into a room, you reveal it, and then you move in there. Now, uh, when you reveal that room, it could be either a, a goblin, and then you're going to, you know, basically reveal. You have, you can have up to four goblins before you lose the game. But anyway, you're going to bring that goblin, um, and and you're going to place it there. The goblin is going to go into a certain extra, certain area on the on the um, game board or outside the game board if you don't have the the neoprene mat board. But if you do, they're going to go to a certain area, and then that goblin is going to have an ability when it triggers, like how 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 far they can travel, what they can do on their turn to damage you, basically. Uh, but you have the chance as well to kill him. If you get a goblin, they will attack you right away by surprise. Like, hey, I was here hiding from before you, waiting for you to come and defeat you. Uh, if it's a trap, then you have to. Also have a test to hopefully, uh, you know, evade the trap. And also you can perform a test to close that, that trap. In the way when someone comes into the tile again, they don't fall into that trap, right? Uh, and then once you get into a new room, you're going to from the main deck, depending on the scenario that you're playing or, or, or the campaign that you're playing, you're going to reveal more rooms to place them face down surrounding the area that you are in now. And that's the way that you're going to be exploring the dungeon. Once again, like on the description, the whole idea is to find, uh, to defeat enough, enough minions, depending on the number of players for the first act. So for example, on, on a solo mode with two players, most likely you will have to defeat two minions. And um, those minions will be appearing as you keep exploring the dungeon, as you can guess. Uh, and once you defeat those minions, you're going to place them on top of the um, card that has the Act 1. And once you have both two of them and you find the door, or the layer door that is shuffled into the main deck of, of, of um, rooms that you're going to be exploring, once you reveal the layer and you, you kill enough uh, minions, then you can go into the boss layer, basically, 
Uh, and on the boss layer, it's also going to have another card where you're going to be traveling to different sections where you can do different damage. The problem is that the boss has some altars as well. And in order to make enough damage to the boss, you have to bring those altars into his lair. And the way that you can do that is basically attracting the boss away from his lair and the way you can do some damage or be more powerful uh, on the game. Um, and that's 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 basically it. I mean, the idea of the game is pretty simple. Uh, every time that you kill uh, a, a goblin or or a minion or or, or that you uh, overcome a trap, I mean, most likely you're gonna get rewards. And when you're when you're getting from the loot deck, is basically uh, different types of things that belongs to a different clan. Like we talk in the description, the Phoenix Clan, the Bear Clan, um, you know, the Panther Clan. And you can find like a cape, or you can find a shield, or a sword, things like that. That will help on your attributes. That two attributes more than likely will be for rolling dice. Uh, also, it has a cool mechanic that on the dice when you roll them. You can, like most of the tiny epic series, you can expand them instead of for the result to get more resources like energy that will help you to trigger certain abilities that are just for your character or for certain items as you're getting them or spells. Or uh, you can get, uh, you know, you can reheal as well. So you can spend those dice. Instead of the value, they have like little hearts or little thunders for energy or, or health to recover a little bit. Um, once you're done with your turn, you have another um, card. That once again, if you have the mat, the new print mat, you have a, a, a specific place to place it, um, and you're gonna be lowering that torch, and that basically simulates you going further down, further down, further down in the dungeon. Every time that you advance that torch to a space that has a symbol, well, something will happen. Either bring more goblins uh, to the to the uh, to the entrance of the dungeon. Or, or 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 some damage or something. They will cause something depending on the scenario that you're playing. Once again, if you're playing with stories, it's more like a campaign thing. Uh, and the game will end as soon as the torch goes all the way to the bottom or if both of your characters are defeated or uh, if um, you have to place goblins but there's no... Uh, more goblins to place. Like I said, there's only four on the, on, the, on the first few scenarios. There's only four that you can place. But if you had to place a fifth one, that means that you didn't kill them. You took a lot of time to kill them and you basically were escaping. Well... Ideally, automatically, that's how you lose the game. And that's it. I mean, the idea of Tiny Epic Dungeons, is it, it, it's like that. It's very thematic dungeon crawler. You go and explore, try to kill the baddies, try to save the day, try to kill the boss, and, and, and that's it. Once again, the story is once they will give you more uh, content and more like playing a sort of like a campaign game where your character will evolve and the story will keep following. The thing with this game is that the idea is simple. But there's a lot of iconography, and this is the third time that I mentioned on this review. There's a lot of stuff that you um, you have to pay attention to. And this is jumping now to the conclusions and my review part of the game. Um, so, there's symbols for every single thing that you can imagine. First of all, the attributes, which that's no-brainer. I mean, you have, you know, you have your melee, you have your range, you have your your strength to do a craft certain uh, you know, uh, spells and things like that, depending on the type of character that you're choosing. You have your energy, you have your health. Those are fine. The problem is that on the on every, uh, it's not a problem. The thing is that from every room, uh, there's icons. So now you have to go and make sure that after you play a few times, you will get it like right away. But on your first plate, on your first sessions, you're going to be discovering symbols and icons that now you're going to go to a rule book, which literally is like, four pages of icons to see like, okay, 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 ah, this is what he triggers, okay, he triggers here too, okay. Kind of like a, kind of like a checkpoint <laughs> way of doing things. So there's a lot of iconography as well, and that could be something that could be a pushback for some people. 
this is that's probably the, the part that I dislike more from the game. Not that I, not that that takes me away from the game or makes the game bad, but it's just something that I need. I think is worth mentioning that on the first sessions there's gonna be a lot of iconography. After a few sessions, that won't be a problem. The other thing uh, for this game is that I tend to like tiny epic games. Honestly, I, I do. Um, this one, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right. I did like it. But I feel like I was lucky enough, and once again, thank you, thank you so much to Tiny Epic. And this is something that you might want to take into consideration if you want to jump into Tiny Epic Dungeons. All the other games from Tiny Epic that they have neoprene mats, or not even Tiny Epic, just a bunch of games that they have neoprene mats, some, some of, sometimes, or most of the time, they replace the, the cardboard map, basically. Or it's more like a cosmetic thing. For this game, I feel like it's necessary. The main game mat, it's definitely very, very, very well done. Very well done. I mean, it's definitely, you can check on Instagram the pictures and Facebook uh, when we play this game. Um, it looks fantastic on the table. And you lay it down. It has a space for every single thing. And it's great. It's just great. So the, neo, the neoprene mat, it's a must-have. Now, the character of the player mat as well, which is another mat that you have to buy. It comes with a set of four. It, I think it's also worth it as well because it will help you to organize your character very well. I'm not saying you need the mats to play, but I'm just saying that in my opinion is recommendable. And that's the thing. I'm always very transparent. I always tell you, I love neoprene mats because I feel like, to me, it gives me that vibe and that cosmetic vibe of the environment and immersion on a game. So I personally love them. Do I think they're necessary? Most of the cases, no. It's just something that I love and like. In these ones, I do recommend them for for gaming reasons because it's going to help you to keep organized your game. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't know if it's good or bad. And once again, I was giving those. But I will tell you this. If they didn't give me a review copy and I bought this game at the store and I want to keep playing this, this game, more most likely I will end up buying those mats. So that's something that I wanted to mention because usually these games go in a range of 25 to 30 American dollars, which they, it's nice. I mean, it's very affordable and I'm glad that they keep it around those numbers for so long now. But at the same time, you might want to consider spending a little more to get the mats. So that's something that I think is worth component-wise. Of course... Tiny Epic uh, series, it's always good. And the components here are not the exception. They work great. I mean, the the, the minis are... It's the first time that I see miniatures, actually, uh, besides meeples. And um, the miniatures are, are very nice. They're smaller, of course, than the normal scale, a little bit. But they're very nice. I mean, definitely, if you want to paint them, they might be a little bit of a challenging. I might, at least for me, because they're, they're small. But, um, I mean, if not, I mean, they're great. I mean... You know, they, they, they look good. They look good. And it almost feels like once you have the game with the neoprene mats and everything, it doesn't feel like a tiny epic because it feels more like an epic game. It feels more like, okay, this is a normal board game. You know, like like it has the mat, it has the minis and the dice and everything. Um, so so that, that's cool. And anyway, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, overall, I enjoy my experience. I, I really did. I'm going to go back to the game and I'm going to keep playing. And I mean, the ones that I own, and let me go right now to my other side of the shelf, the shelf, I'm sorry. The ones that I own, it's um, Tiny Epic Defenders, uh, Tiny Epic Kingdom, Tiny Epic Zombies, Tiny Epic Tactics, Tiny Epic Westerns, Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, Tiny Epic Galaxies, Tiny Epic Pirates, um, 
and the expansions. My favorite, still, still number one, <laughs> it's Tiny Epic Galaxies. That's my favorite. And that's still the champion, all right? That's my favorite. But I think this one, this one is just a little bit behind. It's following. Um, I think I enjoy it a little bit more than Zombies overall. Um, more than Tactics, for sure. Westerns feels different. Um, but uh, tiny, from I haven't played Tiny Epic Dinosaurs or Pirates. Just keep that in mind. But this one is definitely just below Tiny Epic Galaxies. It's very good. It's a very good dungeon crawler. It's very good. But once again, once... <laughs> with me I don't, I don't i don't feel like i would play this game without the neoprene mats just like that i'm gonna put it that way so um i think it's great the components are great the dice are great the ministers are great the baddies are great i really like the the enemies uh, how they have different abilities uh the bosses i mean i like the idea of like very classic adventure in dungeon crawler where you go down you try to find the layer but also try to enough try to kill enough um enemies to open that layer which most likely by that time, since you're killing enemies, you're getting loot and you're getting different items and spells and, and shields and swords and things like that that will allow you to make your character stronger and powerful. I like the idea of the torch going down, you know, and, and, and things happening. There's ways that you can bring that torch back to their starting to a starting spot, which is good because that basically buys you more time. So anyway, that's Tiny Epic uh, Dungeons. Uh, without the stories, just the Tiny Epic Dungeons. Um, I think I will give it a, a, a 4 out of 5 from the Tiny Epic series. is once again one of my favorites. Yeah, but keep that in mind. I won't play this game <laughs> again without the mats. So And the iconography, it's something that it, it could hurt to the game as well, just because there's a lot of icons to follow. So anyway, that's on Tiny Epic uh, Dungeons. And now, now let's review the last game of the episode which is pure, pure, pure nostalgia. We have to go back to around 1992, 1993. Uh, on 1992, I was about six year old, 1993, seven year old. Um, and back then, uh, I was lucky enough that, you know, <laughs> I like to say that my parents, they, my dad, uh, more than anything, they, he um, helped me to start watching movies that now are favorite movies to me and i'm talking about back to the future and i mean i i talked with my friends about this i was probably able to see movies that probably as a kid some kids they wouldn't allow him to see those movies like alien you know i love the alien franchise and i never was scared or anything like that i remember with my mom i would watch horror movies and and i mean it was fine to me um you know and 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 i i, I love i love movies i mean Besides, before board gaming, my main hobbies were music and movies. Uh, and when I watch a movie, I, I, I take, you know, I, I look at a movie differently. Sometimes I have these conversations with my wife where uh, she's, you know, like normal people. I wish I could be that way. Like I watch a movie, I enjoy it, that's it. But I pay attention to too many details. I pay attention to, to the first of all, the soundtrack, of course, because talking about music. I also I pay attention to the photography of the movie. I like to pay attention to the script of the movie the acting of the movie, which I'm not expert on acting by any means. I mean, growing up, I went to some theater classes and some acting classes, but just like extra school things, like nothing in a professional way. Um, I like to to see on the photography, like I said, the tones of the movie, uh, the length, of course. I try to follow who is the director and things like that, the script, all, everything, all the details that I, I wish I wouldn't be that way and I would be more like in a way that, okay, I enjoyed it or not, that's it. 
That's probably because I grew up. And I, I bring this conversation to the table because um, there were two movies that I watched as a, as, a, as a kid that I really love and that I keep them in very strong in my heart, in my core. But those two movies were the, the first ones, I would like to think, that brought some, even some small tears, right? <laughs> like emotion tears on, on me. Uh, one, definitely, The Land Before Time. Uh, if you have seen it, it's a beautiful movie by Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's an animated movie, but beautiful. At the beginning of the the movie, uh, it tells you a story, a narrator, very nice, very well done, very, you know, cinematic and very um, immersive. It, it tells you the story about the dinosaurs and how they were created and the deeper, different types of dinosaurs. Uh, you know, it tells you something like long, long time ago, on the beginning of times, you know, there were these, this happening and how the continents divided and everything. It's a beautiful movie, beautiful, well done. And and sometimes those are the movies that, you know, people don't tend to appreciate because they're animated. But I mean, I, 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 if I watch it and I will pay attention to details that I'm like, wow. And the core of the story, it, it's it's about it's about friendship. It's about love. It's about loss. Right. And I remember during the first I don't want to spoil you because. If, in case you haven't watched it, but during the during the first part of the movie, something happens to the main character, right? That he suffers the loss of someone very close to him, someone very important, and it's actually a very uh, cinematically speaking, um, script speaking, music speaking, a beautiful, um, sad, captured moment in an animated movie, right? Uh, so back then, that was one of the and I don't want to spoil it because it might be the possibility that you haven't watched it. And I would highly recommend it, the adventure. Um, you know, in Spanish it was uh, called uh, Piecito or Pie Pequeño, which is Little Foot. But here in, in English is The Land Before Time. Uh, so that's from by Steven Spielberg. That's one that I highly recommended. The first one, of course. I'm not talking about the all the sequels. That ones, those ones. I mean, no. But the first one by Steven Spielberg. Um, then the other movie, which we're going to talk about games now. <laughs> it's uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Right, like many, many, many of you out there, um, have very beautiful memories with this movie, just as I do. Um, I even remember, like, on a, was it like last Super Bowl or like two Super Bowls ago? Um, they brought the main character to play Elliot to do a promo for, uh, I think it was a cell phone company. Uh, and during the commercial, it was a story with ET and everything, which he when, when he finally phoned home, right? <laughs> something like that. I think it was Verizon or American, an American company, basically. Um, but it was, it was, even that, watching that, I was like, wow, man, like, good, good memory, you know, brings you nostalgia, it takes you back to those times, and I'm talking for me, at least, times with, um, you know, SNES or Super Nintendo, or the, even before that, the first Nintendo, uh, you know, in a different, different city, uh, you know, family, friends, everything was beautiful. Anyway, as probably you have these memories as well, when you watch something that brings you that type of nostalgia, NET for me, it brings me that, and because of that, I was very excited when uh, Funko uh, Games and, you know, working with the Prosper Hall team of designers uh, decided to bring E.T., the extraterrestrial, uh, in a game that is called Light Years from Home Game. Once again, this game I was given for completely for free. I got it not too long ago uh, here in my home, but I covered this game with the Prosper Hall uh, designer lead. Uh, I don't remember his name, but on the Gen Con episode, and we talk about this game briefly. But I was excited to try it when I got when I got it, uh, you know, from them. I was like, wow, I'm very excited because if they didn't send it, I was definitely going to buy it, right? Um, and I went with big expectations into this game, big, big, big expectations. And I opened it and I started to read the, read the rule book and I played the game. 
Um, let me give you before we we keep talking and and you know about the game. Let's go, of course, to BGG. Let me tell you uh, all the facts there, and then I'm gonna tell you my feelings and my impressions on the game, and and more than anything, you know how how the game plays. So, ET the extraterrestrial light years from home, seven point four on BGG. It was released in 2022. Two to four players, 30 minutes, medium light, uh, 10 year old plus. Doesn't have any language dependence. Well, a little bit, but not not too much. Um, and and that's basically it. Once again, designed by Prosper Hall, and the publisher is uh, Funko Games. Uh, it's a cooperative game in which we're gonna play as Elliot, Gertie, Mike, or Greg, as they're trying to find uh, parts uh, for ET to create a communication device to contact to his home planet. Uh, we're gonna race around the neighborhood using ramps, shortcuts to avoid the feral agents, uh, and that they're trying to capture ET to win. Uh, we need to find all the parts, just like in the movies, to get the device. E.T. get to, you know, phone home. Uh, the sh- the mothership arrives to pick him up, and and we say goodbye and we cry, <laughs> basically. But that's that's the whole idea of the of the, of the game, right? Um, and this game, it's basically a pickup and delivery. That's the main core of the game. You're gonna have the board, which is the neighborhood. Um, and you're going to be starting with, with your miniature or your character, depending if you choose Elliot. And of course, I'm going to play with Elliot. <laughs> you can play Elliot, Greg, Gertie, Greg. Um, and you're going to choose your character and you're going to get the, the miniature in a very nice bicycle. Uh, and the bicycle has a basket on the front, just like in the movie, where you guess you guess correctly. You can place E.T. there, the miniature of E.T. You can place it there. Uh, or you can place a die there, which is pretty cool as well, because those dice are going to help you in a way that I will explain you. So you're going to have those uh, different dice, green, yellow, and blue, on different locations on the board, basically on the corners of the board. And your goal is to make sure that you get, once again, to phone home. Also, on the when you do the setup, you're going to have a track where you're going to place the mothership all the way on the top of the board. Uh, and eventually, the mothership will, will try to make it to all the way to the bottom of the board, be on the left corner, which is the area where E.T. supposedly call, which is on the hills. He supposedly call, get the device and everything, and then the mothership lands and pick him up with all his family of E.T.'s. Fun fact, E.T. Star, E.T. existed on the Star Wars universe. That's it. I'm not going to go into more into Star Wars. But um, anyway, so on the game, um, you're going to have to try to pick different, basically, colors of... Um, of objects or items from the areas in that way you can take it to where let's say the blue area where there's the blue dice you're gonna want to pick four different items color from the same color blue in this case pick them up with your character take them there and once you take them there you trade them basically in for the die you can pick up the die and you can travel all the way to the hill to place that die there that's very important because uh, the game will be playing in different phases, and one of those phases will be the phone home phase, where you're going to roll the die if you have one, and if it's a phone result, well, the mothership will start to advance one spot towards that area because that represents ET basically calling or attempting to calling home. But the device is partially built, but in order to get the whole device built, you have the three dies, because once again, there's a, a yellow die, a blue die, and a green die. So now you have to focus, or the team will have to focus on uh, trying to do the same, but for the yellow, and trying to do the same for the green. And once you have those three die there, well, you have more chances of avoiding misses, because I think the dies, they're not 50-50, are like 60-40. Uh, so 
the more you get dice, the more chances are going to be that every turn the mothership will advance at least one space. If you only have one dice, well, I mean, it's going to be very hard. Now, this is not required to win the game because you can probably build two devices and you get lucky enough that the mothership lands there and then, uh, you know, you you ultimately can do it at a different time and just bring your team, finish the device and then, boom, go home. But ideally, you want to build those three as soon as you can to have better odds of calling home, bringing that mothership, and then just bringing tea. Now, there's going to be three different federal cards that every turn, depending on what's happened with their roles, because there's enemy roles, um, those cards are going to keep advancing. And that's one way that we can lose the game. If those three cops car federal cards, they reach their destination all the way to the hills, that will represent that they're surrounding the hills, so there's no way for you to get there, and you lose the game. Also, there's going to be a, a tile with ET health, which is pretty cool, just like the heart that is glowing on the movie. And every time a kid gets captured, it's sent back to Elliot's house, and ET lose one heart. He starts with six hearts. Um, if a kid is captured with ET, ET loses two hearts. If ET is captured, well, you guess, you lose one heart as well. There's, each kid is going to have an agent that is going to be following them, but also there's an agent, Keys, that he's, he's going to try to follow E.T. at all the time. The interesting mechanic of the game as well is that usually if you pass through one of these enemies, you have to roll the enemy dice, which once again, it will kind of like react to you while you're doing what your kids are doing, and they will start to chase you. So it becomes like kind of like a cat and mouse game from them to you more than anything and you're just trying to find different routes as you are discovering tiles to build a device it's possible that you can discover ramps as well and those ramps will help you to jump basically over enemies and things like that so that's pretty cool pure nostalgia there kids on their bikes trying to escape uh there's also candies right candies that you can use uh, you know, depending uh, more than this, this uh, there's a, a group pool of candies. Like I'm sorry for the copyright, but but like Reese's Pieces, like on the movie, that they used to guide ET. Well, here is the same thing. You can use those candies to guide ET e. through the neighborhood, and that's pretty cool and pretty cute. Um, there's also some cars that whoever is carrying ET can use. Uh, once again, a main market of cards that you can use their power abilities for ET. And once they're, once you use one, you discard it, and then you reveal three more. So there's always going to be three, three cards on that market that will give abilities to ET. And that's it. Either we manage to uh, to phone ET, phone home, and, and, and make it, and the mothership comes and pick it up, and we're all happy and sad at the same time. Or we lose the game because the cops were able to either kill the heart of ET, making it very sad, either by continue capturing kids or capturing ET, which is worse, or um, you know the three cop uh, cars they surround the hills and then basically make it impossible for ET to get into the hills, which consequently make, makes it impossible for ET to phone home and we lose the game. My impressions on the game: the art, pure nostalgia. The board, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, it used soft colors, uh, you know, very tempered colors, I guess, in a way. But it's very clear. All the areas, the shortcuts that you can take, big areas, small areas. The the board. I don't have any complaint on the board. It's just beautifully uh, well designed, uh, graphic design, um, and the art. Like I said, I like it. And on the back on the board, you have also. Some art as well. I think it was uh, uh, like some flowers. It represents like Elliot House mom. And um, 
And yeah, it, it's very nice quality, everything. Uh, you use a bunch of standees for the bodies, which they're okay. They're, you know, standees, they're always good. Uh, sometimes, if you don't want to paint too many, too many minis. I think for this, is better than minis, the standees for the bad guys. Just because you are able to identify them well on the board. Uh, and, you know, different color of bases, depending on your character. And, and the cars as well, the cop cars are great. Um, I think standees for this game also brings that nostalgia part that feels like a board game. Because here's the thing. This game was very well designed and done in the aspect of, okay, let's do it in a nostalgia way for the movie, but also make it in a nostalgic way for a board game. So it feels nostalgic, it feels new at the same time, and it, it relates to the theme, which is pretty great. The cards on the art, it's great. Uh, it's not pictures for the movie, but more than anything, it's like drawings from the scenes from the movie. So those are even better. The art is beautiful on the cards. Um, you know, the boards, the characters, Elliot, Greg, Gertie, they all, I mean, once again, is this basically the main actors from the movie, but in a painted way, drawing and painted way. So that's fantastic. Not a comic way per se, but like more like an artistic painting. And that I love it. It's, it's beautifully done, the art on this game. I feel like this episode was about, all about the art, <laughs> but it's, it's very well done. The box of the game, I mean... Just on the cover, you have E.T., you have the kids on the bikes floating, the moon on the background, E.T. and Alien fingers pointing at each other, um, the cops with their flashlights trying to look for them on the woods. Fantastic cover if you want to display it on your game room. Uh, I wish I had space to display games now, but everything goes into like a library. Um, my favorite part of the games, the miniatures. The miniatures. E.T. Compre painted, which is fantastic. The the main characters or, the, or our kids, they come in different colors, but the miniatures of the bike floating on over acrylic plastic and with the basket where you can place the device or ET is just one of the cutest things that I have seen in a, in, in a game, which for this theme uh, relates very well and attached very well. And it serves the purpose of the mechanics of picking up, the, picking up in delivery and taking to their objectives. Um... Overall, I really enjoyed this game. Now, what I can compare this game to, it's another game. I can compare it with Horrified Universal Monsters, Horrified American Monsters, and Back to the Future. All right? So, uh, from all these, I mean, it's very hard, of course, because they, I, I, I really like all of them. I really do. Of course, Back to the Future, one of my favorite franchises. I love it. I mean, it's, it's a great game. Uh, Horrified. Both of them are fantastic games. NET, it's also a great game. I love keep seeing this game from Prospero Hall where they get licenses and they do a good job. Which Prospero Hall is uh Ravensburg I mean uh Horrified is Ravensburger more than more than Funko games. But um Back to the Future and ET they are uh Funko games, but they play similar in a way. I mean they they, they share the same core of picking up delivery and all that stuff, which is characteristic from Prosper Hall. Um, once again, as long as they keep doing this with this type of games with the licenses, I mean, and doing some changes here and there, I'm good with it because I feel like these games are meant to be like that. Accessible games, you know, not crazy with the price, available for general public, and, and still very, very, very appealing with the theme. <laughs> I, It's hard for me to see which, say which one is my favorite, but... I feel like right now, right now, at this moment, right now, um, I feel like I, I, <laughs> I feel like ET probably is, is the best one. 
because it has too many good things and it and it it's fun, it's simple, and everything attached together. Art, team, everything. I think I think AT will be my favorite from the ones that I mentioned. Of course, during Halloween, I would prefer to play Horrify and not play AT, but you get the idea. And I think for me, this game will be a 4.5. Once again, a high-rated game as well, high-ranked game, just because it's so fun, it's so easy to bring to the table, plays good solo, plays better, um, you know, with more people. I will say that because you, you share that joy of, you know, like we, we are kids on bikes from the early 90s or 80s, and uh, we're trying to escape the, the bad guys, in this case, the cops. And, well, if you play CT there, well, that's even better right and the thematic is better so there you go et once again please keep in mind it was sent to me for uh, advertising i mean advertising <laughs> for review purposes but i have to say this not as an advertising that's what i'm trying to say just for you to keep it in mind now honestly it doesn't change anything if the game sucks i will tell you if the game is good i will tell you so there you go et the extraterrestrial um 4.5 Great game also to get. You don't have to... Don't worry. For this one, you don't have to buy anything else. Just the game. Uh, and yeah. So there you go. Uh, those are my games for, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, if you want to support the show, the best way to do it is to follow us in social media. Give it a like. Uh, that really help us. Um, also, or help me. If you want to share the episode with your friends, always highly appreciate it. And, and I promise you, <laughs> now this time, I will keep recording more often every week or every two weeks uh in that way i can i can return to the constant of solo bg podcast uh and that's it uh like always till next time see you through the speaker and at the tabletop drink tequila spin summer at a mexican bar steven austin davy crockett and i'm driving my car Go!